I want to say the starless said it on um, Monday night, and she, she always says, don't steal the thing that I said. She always says stuff to me while we're in the car or at home, and then I end up stealing it for Friday. So she said it first, and I can unashamedly steal it. But she was, the, it was something she mentioned at the prayer meeting. We have, to, we have to live in the moment. God is doing something amazing with us. We prayed for this where our church is at five, six, seven years ago. We prayed for it. We prayed for it before the church even started. I prayed that we would have prayer meetings that, that just tug on the heart of God and tug on the heart of the Father to see His kingdom come to earth. And that what happened, that's what happened on Tuesday night. So I want to just it's, and thank you guys, but it's just amazing to see what God is doing. And, and today I'm talking about prayer. So Jesus says three things in Matthew 6. When we fast, when we give, and when we pray. So today's about prayer. Now, I know we did a series on prayer. Some of you are thinking, well, we did that a few months ago. I don't think we can overemphasize prayer. Prayer is the lifeblood of being a Christian. Uh, if you want to follow Jesus, you ha- we have to learn how to be with Him, carve out time with Him, spend time alone with Him, because it's where everything else, and I'm convinced that even we've had this time of fasting, and like I said, Stalin and I did 21-day vegetables, which I don't want to rush into doing again. I'm not going to lie to you. I've really enjoyed meat. Like we just, we've had meat or chicken every night. And we're like, wow, this tastes amazing. And like, I just had a can of tuna the one day for lunch. And it's like, ah, oh, tuna is amazing. You know what I mean? You appreciate the things that used to be quite like, be a bit of a mission to eat. And now you're like, ah, oh, this is amazing just to be full. And it's amazing how, I've said amazing so many times because I'm just thinking about meat. Um, but you can be so full after just having an egg. I mean, Vegetables, you have to eat like a kilogram. Anyway, that's beside the point. God is up to something in the city. So what, do you, what in city lights? And whatever illustration you want to use, if you have to put your sails up, if you have to get ready to catch the wave of, of God that is coming, I would just say ready your hearts. Keep humble hearts. Uh, keep unoffended hearts. Keep your eyes on Jesus because God is doing something amazing in, this, in, in, our, in our midst, in city lights. And I would say just, just get involved where you can. Join a community group. Join uh, a serving team. Just throw your life into it because we all carry this thing together. And I, we prayed specifically for a moment for a new venue. And we had some amazing stuff happen this past week, which I will share as time goes on. But basically, we're looking at some, we had to sign some new documents, which we're delivering next week for a, a venue, which is probably the, almost double, more than double the size of this, which is amazing. Um, Again, I don't want to hype you up and it doesn't happen, but I'm just being I'm, uh, realistically like I'm talking in faith and God is doing something amazing and we, he's going ahead of us. So super exciting. I want to show you two pictures. Can we put the first picture of the, the steam train? Okay, so in South Africa and I'm sure in different parts of the world, Australia and England, you've got luxury steam trains, which is kind of a throwback from like the 18, 1900s, where they used to use steam to move the trains forward. And when I think of steam train, I'm like, this is what I'm thinking of. I'm like, there's someone serving me a nice little drink, uh, coffee. Um, and we, we, we kind of cruising along and I'm um, talking to my friends, all dressed in white linen clothes. Um, you go to the next picture. Again, this is what, what I picture when I think steam train. I think luxury steam train. I think Oh, this is just amazing, relaxing. I think in the middle carriage is a pool that we can go for a swim in. Um, it's just so you kind of, you, you, that is what comes to mind when, I, when someone says steam train or this next picture. And this is just the outside of a steam train, kind of an old looking one. But what many people don't see is the next picture. 
There's someone that is moving coal from one side to the other. They're dirty. They're sweaty. It's very hot. It's a, basically a furnace inside of there that is causing the steam. That is, can you imagine how much steam you have to create to move something that big? I mean, it's just an incredible uh, engineering feat that literally changed the world 100 years ago, whenever it was, 150 years ago. And, um, but what we don't see is that we think of the previous pictures. We think of luxury. We think of, oh, we just get on, we pay our ticket, and we leave. But we don't think of what's happening inside the engine room. And can I say that that, that is what prayer is about? Prayer is this. Prayer is sometimes hot, dirty. It's a lot of work at times. There's sometimes where I love prayer, and there's sometimes where I don't love prayer so much. You can't say hate, because you never. It's it's always communion with God. But there's times where you're like, oh, I, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not. I'm doing this thing by faith, and you just and you're getting up early. Stal and I used to do. A, a prayer meeting when we were 19, 20, and we, I liked her a lot, and I wasn't really allowed to be with her. So I used to get up early to do this revival prayer meeting, but it was mainly ready to see Starla. But I was at the prayer meeting, and it was super early, and we'd get up, and it was, it would, we thought we, it only really counts if it's still dark. So we would get up at like 5.30 in winter, and we'd go outside, and we would pray, and we'd like call down heaven. And I know that we got, we, whatever Bryanston, that's the church we are at before in South Africa, whatever they sing, we were part of that to see God's kingdom come on that property. I'm sure there's stuff we prayed in that, in that prayer meeting that they're living in now. And there's been times that I've prayed for this church where I'm like, God, I pray that we, we start to see people saved. I pray that we have two, three, four packed meetings. Last week, I want you guys to know, we had, a, I think, 200 in each meeting, which is just crazy. Like, I, I thought summer we had kind of around 200, 300 people on different occasions. But I thought uh, winter's going to come and it's going to increase a little bit. But it almost doubled. And you just think, God is doing something. He's, and, I, and I know it's an answer to prayer because we've prayed these things in the, in the fiery furnace at times when you didn't want to. And I, our prayer is as simple as this. It's fuel that we put on the fire. And it's, have you heard of that saying, run out of steam? It comes from that saying, was that if you stop putting fuel on the fire, we're going to run out of steam. We're going to run out of the energy to move things forward. The church, city lights is in momentum in the city. And the thing that's going to keep it going is yours and your prayers and my prayers. And it's going to be the thing that if we want to reach more people, if we want to uh, be more effective disciple makers, if we want to see more marriages healed, if we want to see God break out in the miraculous, we want to see His kingdom come, we want to see financial miracles, we want to see these things, it's going to come from the place of prayer. And it's going to come in as we engage heaven and we say, God, I'm not leaving this place. We, like Jacob did, he wrestled with the Lord and says, until you bless me, I'm not leaving. And sometimes prayer is like that. We, we can feel nothing and then you, you start in the natural and you go for it. And you, some of you may pray in tongues and that's a, a great thing. If you want to pray in tongues, we can come lay hands on you and ask God for that gift. But it's, 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 it's uplifting God and it's praying in the Spirit and it's, it's interceding. And then eventually something clicks over and it feels like, oh, I've won this thing in prayer. And I can tell you, Stahl and I have had so many moments in our lives where we felt like something was won in prayer. And then years, days, weeks later we start to see the thing manifest. So can I encourage you to never stop praying? Never, ever, ever stop praying. Never stop trusting God for those impossible things because he's listening. And the picture that I show, uh, told the, our group when we were praying on Tuesday is that it's almost as if like our prayers are filling this bowl in heaven. And I know there's a picture in Revelation about that, but it's like the, 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 the bowl gets filled and eventually it's going to tip over. If you, if you look at, I think it's, 
Isaiah 64, 66, it says, God, would, 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 you, would you shower down so salvation can, can rise up? If we want to see people saved in city lights, those who don't know Jesus, we have to pray for God's reign to come so salvation can spring up. Amen. Can we pray for that quickly? So I'm going to have little interjections of prayer because it's good for us to do what I'm saying. So Father, we pray, Lord God, for, for, for thousands of people to come to a saving knowledge of you. Lord God, we are trusting, we're putting our faith and our hope in you. And not only that, would they become disciples of you? Would they become followers of Jesus that affect the earth? In Jesus' name. There is no force stronger than a church that prays. Nothing. It literally, it can, it's, it's changed the course of history, if you go read history books, but it's going to continue to change the course of history. It's because we're praying for a kingdom we cannot see that is way more powerful and way more stronger than we can ever dream or imagine God is bringing to earth as we begin to pray and intercede and say, God, it's almost like this heaven's going like this, and as we pray, heaven touches earth, and it comes, and then heaven touches earth. It's an incredible thing as we pray and we, we set our hearts to prayer. John Wesley says, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Amazing statement. Andrew Murray, which is an incredible um, author, pastor, uh, statesman of of the Christian faith 100 years ago, says the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. There's people that we know that have set up 24-7 prayer movements that have, literally people have been praying 24-7 for like 25 years in different buildings. Prayer, worship, interceding. Prayer, worship, interceding. And it's something so powerful. And if we want to see this church begin to, 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 to walk into the fullness of what God has, when I talk about this church, it's not just an organization and we kind of complete the goals. It's you are the church. To see you walk into all that God has for you, it's going to come from this place of prayer. It's going to come from a place of groaning and understanding that it only happens in that place. There's, a, there's things that are one in the place of prayer that can only be one in the place of prayer. I read a, a, an amazing um, uh, article this week. I've got a Bible study program. This guy was talking. He says, and this was written, I think, 70 years ago. And he says, there's a bunch, there's the church that is trying to do a whole bunch of things to win people. They've got a whole bunch of methods and organizations and, and all different cool things that, that they're doing that's written many years ago, and it's even more today. But we've neglected the one thing that actually brings effect, and that's prayer. Prayer is the thing that's going to utterly change people's hearts. And can I say, just keep pushing in. Keep praying. Remember that, uh, that little bangle we used to wear in the 80s, and, no, no, 90s and early 2000s? Push. Pray until something happens. Um... Whoever made that up should have copyrighted it because I'm sure they would have made a lot of money. So can you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 5? We'll have it up behind me. Matthew 6, verse 5. I'm reading out of the NIV. And it says, when, And when you pray, Jesus again, assuming that as followers of Him, we're going to pray. When he's, he was resurrected from the dead, I, I said it last week, is that um, when Jesus was resurrected, he opened eternity for us. So there was this opening of heaven because of Jesus died on the cross, but he resurrected, he defeated death, he made a path to the Father so we can have community with God, unhindered community without having to do a whole bunch of things because Jesus has paid the price. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. 
for they love to stand in the, the, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. Jesus exampled prayer. There was in, uh, in Matthew 26, verse 36 onwards, uh, it's, this, it's the story of when Jesus is praying in Gethsemane. But if you look at, he speaks to his disciples and he says, listen, I'm going to pray. Can you guys keep watch? Which basically means, can you stay awake? I'm not sure if they had coffee in those days. So Jesus was asking a lot. And Jesus went and he, he agonized in prayer. And he gets to this point where he's bleeding, uh, uh, so he's sweating blood because he's praying so hard to the Father. And he says, God, not my will, but your will. He says, if there's any other way of doing it, please take it away. But God says, you go through this and it's going to change eternity. I don't know if he said that in, in the scripture, but basically that's what God was saying to him. Okay. Jesus, uh, I love this, in Matthew 6, 12, it says, On those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. There's certain rewards that happens when we spend the night praying. I can't, I think I've done it once in my life. And it was to get my wife. How selfish are our motives sometimes? But it's it's great. The payoff has been amazing. Okay. (laughs) The reward. So, singles, you want a wife. Learn to pray through the night. You want a husband, learn to pray through the night. Okay. I'm not saying it definitely will work, but it will help you. Okay. Maybe it'll change you so someone will be attracted to you. Okay. <laughs> Talking to the guys there, I'm not allowed to talk to the girls about that. Suzanne, it's good to have you back. Let's just cheer for Suzanne. She leads the kids' ministry, which for those of you who have kids here, you know that their lives are changed. They're little revivalists. They're really living all the stuff that I'm preaching, so that's great. Um says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. That is a new concept that they never had before. God revealed Himself at different times. First it was Elohim, which means God. Uh, it's, it's God in the plural, and you see it revealed to Abraham, and you see it throughout Scripture. But then it gets to Moses, and God speaks to Moses, and He says, I am that I am. And it's, there's no, no one really knows the translation for it, but without getting into too much technicality, it's basically Yahweh. God has a name, and His name is Yahweh. And God reveals His name, and in His name, His character gets revealed. It says, He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And He speaks about who He is, and He reveals Himself slowly. And then it gets to the New Testament. Jesus comes to reveal the Father, and He says, And when you pray, pray to the Father. He reveals God in heaven as a Father. What an incredible, incredible privilege we have a Father in heaven who loves us. Those of you who don't have earthly fathers or maybe bad examples of an earthly father, you have a Father in heaven who is perfect and He loves you and He listens to your prayers and, he, and He's able to do something about it because he's not, only father in, he's not only a Father but He is in heaven. He is utter ruler of everything and He is in control. It says, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And that's, so when it says going to your room, people have taken that literally, and that's great. Um, that I remember in the, again in the 90s, there's some crazy stuff that came out of the 90s, uh, Chris, in, in Christian circles. And uh, people would have, I'm going to lock myself in my closet. You know, I don't know who's, your mom definitely would have done that. My mom did it. Um, and, it was, and it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to lock myself and I'm going to pray. And that's great. It's a quiet place. 
But what Jesus is meaning is what Jesus exampled. He went out into nature. He went out up the mountain. He hiked and he spent time alone with God, with the Father. I love that. It says, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's a promise from Scripture about prayer. There's a will reward you. And that may mean a myriad of different things, but I, for me it just shows that what, we, we're bringing our requests before God. And we need to keep trusting. There's, there's people facing what seems like impossible situations here. Keep bringing it to the Father. He's hearing every single prayer. God is answering. He's doing something. God always answers, yes, wait. Often those are the main two. And then he often says no because he can, he sometimes says no because he can see sometimes the motive of our heart. And he's just saying, cool, you may, I may bring you that thing later. But we need to learn how to pray in regards to his will. And his will always is around people. It's around changing the world. It's around hearts being revived to him. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so the question immediately comes, why do we need to pray if God knows already? It's because God wants relationship. God doesn't want us to do repetitive stuff. And I know there's, there's sometimes power in, in repetition and learning things, and, but not with God. He's, he's a Father in heaven. He's, he's, he, he, he reveals Himself as a Father that we can come to and sit on His lap and talk to Him. And have moments alone with him where, where our lives can be utterly changed in that moment. Charles Spurgeon says this, True prayer is measured by weight, not length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer than a, than a fine oration of great length. And I've, who's, who's been in prayer meetings or in community groups where there's one person who just takes over the prayer time? We, um, it's, we've, when we started the church... You're just like, come guys, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We'd go to the place next door and there would be one, we'd have like 10 minutes to pray and one person would pray because they just like, they mentioned everything and then we get to the end of it and we're like, okay, thanks. You know, like, okay, and for me, God is, we're not heard from any words the Bible says, but we're heard for the weight of our heart. We're heard for that groan sometimes. Sometimes it's just a beating of the chest and say, God, I don't understand. The Bible speaks about that when we don't know what to say, we start to pray in the Spirit in tongues because sometimes words are not enough, but there's a groaning in the Spirit that goes out to the Father that He hears. He hears the cries of your heart. There's an amazing story in Genesis 18 where God is, is, uh, is talking to, to Abraham and it starts in Genesis 18 verse 22. The, just to give you context, there were three men that came and met with Abraham and uh, they, some people say that that's the foreshadowing of the Trinity. And they come and then they sit around the fire and they're eating together. And they prophesy over Sarah, who is 90 years old. He says, this time next year, you're going to have a child. She laughs. And can I say that sometimes God will come and speak impossibilities to you. He'll say, I'm going to do this in your life. And you're like, you're going to laugh because it seems so out of the scope of who you are. It seems so out of the scope of this thing actually happening. And I can tell you, God is a God of the impossible. And when he speaks, and he speaks those things in season, into your heart, take hold of it. Don't let it go. Pray it back to him. Pray that truth back to him. And you begin to see God begin to work. And then it starts in Genesis 18, 22. It says, the men turned away and went towards Sodom. 
But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So basically, these men were going to go and destroy Sodom because Sodom was caught in, in sin. It was just like there was this the cry of innocent people coming up. And so God was going to destroy that. And if you don't like the idea of the judgments of God, talk to someone who's involved in sex trafficking, who's getting people out of sex trafficking. They can tell you straight away that they, they're waiting for the judgment of God. Because they can see the justice of God is going to break out. And God obviously wants everyone to be saved, to come to a saving knowledge and repent of their sins. But there is going to be a time of judgment where God is going to judge the earth. It is reality and it's in the Bible. If we don't like it, you can go speak to the Father about it. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. And Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there were only 50 righteous people in the city? And then begins this discourse with Abraham goes, God, Father, I don't know what he called him. He says, you in heaven. Um, what about if it's 45? Will you still sweep away the city? If there's 45 righteous people, then it goes down to 30. If there's still 30 righteous people, will you do it? Then it goes to 20, and it eventually gets to 10. And then it says, then God walked away. And obviously it wasn't uh, 10 people because God ended up destroying uh, destroying Sodom. The, the reason that Abraham was praying is that because his nephew Lot was sitting uh, in Sodom and he's saying, God, I'm interceding. And, and it's an amazing moment where, where some people don't like looking at this part of Scripture because it actually leans towards that God changed his mind. It wasn't that God is human like us in terms of we change our mind because we feel like saying. It's that God brought this discourse with Abraham and started to talk to Abraham and, and he starts to speak and, and Abraham says, Will you? and God's saying, yes, I won't destroy the city if there's 10 righteous people. So God, God, God and Abraham have this relationship with one another. And that for me is what God is wanting of us. He's wanting us to bring stuff before him. He's wanting us to ask, seek, and knock. He's, he's wanting us to keep pushing, keep praying until something happens. Abraham petitions for a city. We know that history tells us, I've said before, that the, the city does get destroyed because there wasn't any righteous people. Lot ended up leaving. I think his wife turned around and looked at, at, at the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. She turned to a pillar of salt, etc., and the rest is history. Um, verse 9, 6 verse 9, it says, This then is how you should pray. And we, we spoke about this a lot last year, so I'm not going to spend time on it. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just let that sink in, the meaning of that. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I've come up with six R's. So if you're taking notes, if you want to take a photo of this, this will change your life. Okay, and, uh, and I was quite proud of myself. It's very 90s of me to do this, but uh, I don't know why I'm picking on the 90s because that's kind of what I, what I got saved in in Christianity. Um, relationship, our Father in heaven. Reverence in heaven. The reality, and that's, that's God's, that's the kingdom of God coming to earth. It's God's reality becoming our reality. Requirement, let me see what I wrote there. The daily provision and the daily bread of God. Repentance. Forgive us as we forgive others. We need forgiveness, but we need to also live unoffended and forgive others. A guy in our church, I won't mention who he is, but he said, 
he, made, he has made a decision not to get offended. He says, if I make a decision before I join a church not to get offended, when something comes up that is going to offend me, he says, I've already made the decision before. So we need to learn how to make that decision before we step into anything. Repentance and then finally rescue. So you can take that down if you want to remember what the Lord's Prayer is about. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to, for me, the, the will of God will always work, is going to work out in the end. He's, he's completely in charge. He's working all things. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But there's clearly, we're in this time on earth, even since Jesus, was di- Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected, where we're not seeing completely the will of God on the earth. There's people that are dying. There's people that are getting raped. There's, there's, there's different organizations across the world that are, that are causing absolute terror. And we need to pray every day for God's kingdom to come to the earth. We need to pray that, that there's this, as it says in 1, uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 4, there's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And it's for me that we just we begin to pray and speak that heaven comes to earth. I've got a modern day parable that I made up yesterday and then we'll end. If you think of what Jesus did, he died on the cross for us. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated the the, uh, stuff in the demonic realm. He, He absolutely won everything for us. But he's called us to carry on his work. And I was just sitting yesterday and I was like, how how can I relate this in a way that everyone would understand? So imagine this. Imagine someone calls you and says, you've got a great uncle you haven't seen in years, great, great uncle, grand uncle, and he's like fourth removed, but he's left you 5,000 acres of land in Tuscany. Would you be stoked? There's an old wine farm in Tuscany. Um, It's just the first thing I, I could think of. And, uh, and in my mind, I would think this. Just imagine like bubbles are coming up. Can you put the first foot up? That's what I would think. I'm like, that's amazing. All I'm going to do is eat pizza and pasta all day, drink the local wine. It's going to be incredible, and we're going to have fun for the rest of our lives. But in reality, you get to this place, and it's more like the next picture. It's run down. and needs a bit of help. But this person has, has sent you the title deed. It sent you the, the thing that you are the owner. So you go across to Italy and you start to, you have to look at this and you arrive and you're like, oh my goodness, there's lots of work to do. I need to restore it back to the way it was. You're getting where I'm going with this. And uh, it's, so you have this title deed, it belongs to you. There's people that come around and they don't like it that you own this piece of land. And they come and say, why, why do you have this? And you say, all you have to do is bring out the title deed. It says, it's in my name and I own it. And you begin to repair it, but you find out that you need to put a new sewage pump in. You need to put a water pump. There needs to be lots of things that happen to this place before it gets into working order. And I, in a sense, and it's probably a very small picture, but I feel like that's what God has done with us. He says, I've won everything. I've given you the title deed. I've, I've paid the price. You didn't pay the price for this piece of land called earth. I've paid it. I paid it in my own blood. And he says, all you have to do is begin to love, begin to, to pray, begin to see and, and ask for his kingdom to come to earth. That is, when, can we go back to the previous picture? And we begin to start seeing the original intention of what God planned. God has always wanted to partner with man to see the world changed. 
Started with Adam and Eve, they messed it up. Went to Israel, they messed it up. Jesus came, church started, the church has messed it up over the years. But we need to keep looking forward and restore the earth back to its original intention. When we pray, there's a few, we can pray in tongues, we pray for one another, we pray for the sick. I love in Matthew 6, 18, it's 16, 18, it says, They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. We pray in the name of Jesus because we carry a stamp of authority. The sick are healed, his kingdom comes, cities are changed and history is made. Our spirits are made alive. Prayer changes everything. Can we stand? Teddy, would you mind coming up?